You're listening to a sermon from St. John's Anglican in Cranbourne. To find out more about us, head to cranbourneanglican.org.au. Let us pray. O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Good morning. Today we are looking at the gospel and forgiveness. What are the problems that we have with forgiving others and how the gospel changes the way we see them? My name is Andrew Gray. You've, like me, you've likely seen me around here helping with the kids program or service leading. But so that you know a little bit more about me than that, I'm also a theological student at Ridley College and as part of my preparation for ministry, I'm learning how to preach and that's why I'm bringing the teaching to you this morning. I want to acknowledge that when there is a need for us to forgive others, it's because we've experienced a deep hurt, like what Julie shared earlier. That makes forgiveness costly and difficult. But God understands that. Forgiveness cost God his own son. Failing God by struggling to forgive others does not make it certain that we will be condemned because God's love for us is so abundant that there is grace and forgiveness for all who repent and turn to Christ. But not loving others, not forgiving others is serious, which is why Jesus laid out such a clear command that we must and the consequences of not obeying it. I see three main problems with forgiveness. Firstly, we don't feel we need to forgive others. Secondly, we don't want to. And thirdly, we don't know how to forgive others, even if we wanted to. So why don't we feel we need to forgive others? When we've been hurt, we feel wronged. And so the other person should feel bad and pay for what they've done. But behind that is anger, sadness, loss, brokenness, numbness. Ultimately, what we feel is that they owe us. So we don't feel we need to forgive, especially if they haven't come to us to repent. We might feel that if we forgive if we forgive what we are owed, that we will actually lose the right to claim that debt, to see the person punished for what they've done. And if it is somebody else that has been hurt and not us directly, we might feel it isn't our debt to cancel, our hurt to forgive. So it seems unfair to forgive others. But God has commanded us to forgive. So if we don't want to forgive... We don't want to obey God, and that's a problem. Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, if my brother or sister sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times. Jesus has been preaching, uh, Jesus has been teaching about how we should hold those who sin against us accountable. Peter is saying, I'm used to forgiving offences a few times, three strikes and you're out, but you're saying I should forgive 
a few more times than I'm used to, right? But Jesus knows what humans are like. When he says, not seven times, but 77, Jesus is saying to Peter, don't try and do maths to get around the business of forgiving. Forgive every time. So if you count to seven and then stop, that would be copping out. If you count to 77 and then stop, that's copping out too. Jesus has given a clear command, but it doesn't seem fair. Perhaps expecting the same objection, Jesus tells the parable. A king calls up a servant who owes him a great debt. 10,000 talents. So a denarius was about a day's wages, so let's call that about 174 bucks. A talent is around 6,000 denarii. 10,000 talents is 6 million denarii. So in dollars... I don't know what this guy did to cost his boss $10 billion. (laughs) Have patience with me and I will pay you everything, he says, as if he ever could pay it back. $10 billion. I wish my bank account looked more like that. But that's really what it looks like. Jesus is making the point that the debt we owe God because of our sin is like an unimaginable amount of money that we can never pay back. And yet, it has been forgiven freely. In the same way that the sinful servant was released from his debt out of mercy and love upon his repentance. We don't deserve the forgiveness we receive through Jesus' sacrifice, yet we have it. That's why we do need to forgive. As Paul put it to the Colossians, just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. So forgiveness feels unfair. Yes, it is unfair. It's unfair that God gave up the debt we owe him. Instead, that debt was paid by his son, Jesus, who died to pay it. If we don't pass on that same mercy, that makes us look like the unforgiving servant. In the parable, the servant heads outside and then he sees this other guy. But that same slave, as he went out, came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii and seizing him by the throat, he said, pay what you owe. Okay, a hundred denarii, $17,000. I wish my bank account looked like that. (laughs) That is not a small sum. The second servant even uses the same words the first servant did with the king. Have patience with me and I will pay you. But the unforgiving servant doesn't listen. He wants what he is owed. Despite being forgiven immense, unimaginable debt and avoiding the consequences of foreclosing on it, he is unwilling to pass on that same mercy. What happens to fairness now? Suddenly, claiming that debt looks unreasonable and unfair. Certainly, the king is unimpressed when the mercy he showed isn't passed on. The king represents God. God has forgiven all past and future sins. So how can we not extend the same mercy to those who owe us, knowing all that we have been forgiven for?
Our second problem is that we usually don't want to forgive others, even if we see the need. It's understandable that we don't want to give up what we're owed. Emotions like anger and sadness are there to protect us, and letting them go would make us more vulnerable. When we've been hurt badly, the idea of forgiving the person who has hurt us and wishing them well is on the other side of a divide that seems impossible to cross, like what Julie was describing. So why should we forgive if that means we just have to ignore our feelings and try to move on? Because I don't think it means that at all. I want you to notice something else about the parable. It starts with God, represented by the king, holding the servant accountable. This is important because when God forgives us, it takes the wound we have caused God seriously and challenges our sin. It does not excuse or permit it. So when we forgive others, we also ought to take seriously our wound. I remember being taught as a kid that when someone said sorry, you had to say, I forgive you. But that never solved the problem. That never protected me from being hurt again by the same person doing the same thing again and again. That person was being taught too, that they could just say sorry, and that made it all better. That model of forgiveness is forgive and forget. Forget, forgive and forget. If that's our understanding of forgiveness, of course we don't want to forgive. It expects us to forget, and how can we forget? I don't know all your stories, but I do know some of them. If I were to tell you, oh, whatever has happened to you, you just need to forgive them. That would be very cheap of me, I should think. No, a healthy model of forgiveness should take seriously the wound, the pain, the debt. What sense does it make to say, well, I forgave him, so how I feel doesn't matter anymore? It does matter. How God feels matters, doesn't it? God feels angry at our sin. God doesn't forgive us without first holding us accountable for what we've done. He takes his emotions seriously. And so, with grace, God says, your sin has hurt me, and that's not okay. But I'm going to forgive you anyway. If we use God's forgiveness as a model, we don't ignore the wound. And we shouldn't let ourselves be hurt over and over by someone. A healthy model does not permit sin, it challenges it. Better to say, you really hurt me and that's not okay, but I'm going to forgive you anyway. If we say, no, no worries, not a big deal, it doesn't matter, that permits hurt to go unchallenged. We may never really want to forgive others, but it does make it a little more palatable when we recognise that hurt is not okay and injustice should be challenged. I know this stuff isn't easy. And while I've put this last in the list, maybe it's really the first problem, that we don't know how to forgive. Forgiveness sits on the other side of a gaping wound that hurts. And sometimes that wound is really, really deep. 
And so I don't want anybody going home today feeling like they will be condemned because forgiveness is on the other side of that wound. So I encourage you then in this. God knows your mind and your thoughts. God was human, after all, in the form of Jesus. He knows how hard forgiving others is. God knows how costly it is, having paid the cost for for forgiving us with his son, Jesus. $10 billion each for every human that has ever lived. Forgiving others is hard. If you don't feel you need to forgive those who've hurt you, or if you don't want to, that is a perfectly okay place to start. Like Julie did, pray to God about your wound. Ask God to heal it. Ask God to change your heart to be more forgiving. Ask God to help those who have hurt you to repent. If you're further along the path, feeling like you do need to forgive or want to, but you're just not sure how to begin, start by setting boundaries. In peace and patience, tell those who have hurt you how you've been hurt, where they have crossed boundaries. If you need to, bring someone else to listen and mediate. It's vulnerable, absolutely, to hold someone to account when they haven't come to you to repent. But it gives them a chance to repent. Sometimes for our safety, the the only boundary we can draw is, I can't be near this person. The cost of that is closure. But preventing someone from continuing to hurt you and sinning against you is more loving than putting up with it. God does not want sin to go unchallenged. He does not want you to keep being hurt. Forgiveness includes holding accountable perpetrators of sin. It's a harder path. Most of us would prefer to let things be covered up, to avoid any conflict, to be non-confrontational, for no one to know, to forgive and forget but it is not loving to give hurt a free pass. Letting go of our desire to claim debt is the hardest part. Letting go of the anger and sadness when we don't need them anymore. It helps me to think of that debt as really being owed to God, who forgave me. If I trust God to challenge sin and dispense justice to all sinners, then I don't need to be the judge myself. But that's especially hard when the person you need to forgive is not someone you will ever see or talk to again. There can be no closure, no saying, that was wrong and it hurt me. All we can do is to trust God to bring them to justice. And that is hard. And that is unsatisfying. There is a cost to forgiveness, a great cost. For God, it was his son, Jesus, taking on all the pain and debt of sin upon himself. It's hard to forgive. We are so lucky that there is provision in abundance for us when we struggle to forgive. And that if we know God and love God and turn away from the sin of unforgiveness, however hard we find it, that there is forgiveness there for us sinners as well. We don't feel we need to forgive, but we need to be forgiven. We don't want to forgive, but we must forgive. We don't know how to forgive, but God showed us how it is done best. Let us pray. Create in us clean hearts, Lord, and renew the spirit within us. We thank you that we are restored by your son, Jesus Christ, to the joy of your salvation. Sustain in us willing spirits so that we may better forgive those who hurt us.
Give us the strength to stand for what is right, holding perpetrators accountable in humility and love, and forgiving them by the power of your grace that forgives us. Amen.